Let's go. This is Emmett. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com. Uh, patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast we are trying something new today which is trying to record this thing remotely uh-huh. and it is weird for us but we'll try to get through it and see if it works well because neither of us are like audio techs nor do we have a producer we're having to use sort of a i'd call it a jerry-rigged system but is it that is so guys? very jerry-rigged don't worry i can see him and Twice, once on my computer screen, once on my phone screen. Which is totally how the professionals do it. Yeah, so, definitely, for sure. But we will try to make this work Mark and we'll Marin go from there. has a bright... I also... Can we talk about your microphone for like a hot sec? Don't, don't even. <laughs> don't make fun of this microphone I've it's, had in storage for who knows how long. It's just like this lavender purple thing. And when Hammett puts his face all the way up on it, he looks like fucking Shredder or like um, <laughs> Scorpion, like purple Scorpion from um, um, Mortal Kombat. It's My work here is done. <laughs> um, anyway, so let's let's start with this Louisiana pastor. There's so many stories this week about pastors and Christians in general trying to fight the virus by suing their states Dude, (laughs) have you, I I presume you saw what happened in Michigan and Ohio, right? The the people protesting stuff? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, those people are are in for a rude awakening in like a week, I feel. Yeah, I also did spend about 45 minutes of my precious, precious quarantine time arguing with idiots on my Facebook page because everybody's like, well, if we don't open the economy, people are going to die because they won't have health care or they won't be able to afford food. And I'm like, well, those sound like issues that I've been fighting against as a dem- fighting for as a Democrat for right. my entire adult life. It's so funny how you, this just came up to, <laughs> to now. You act like everyone's trying to stop people from getting food or whatever yeah, from right, working. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so let's talk about this part first. So I want to start with Tony Shell, who is the Louisiana... Tony Spell, I'm sorry. He's the Louisiana pastor at Life Tabernacle Church. He's the guy who refused to close his church. <laughs> he, hel- he held an Easter sermon where he said he invited thousands of people. I don't know how many showed up, but it, it wasn't a few. <laughs> it was a lot of people. Yeah. He also said in an interview, true Christians do not mind dying, which is... A weird thing to say in any I, interview. At least that's intellectually lined up with like what they normally say, right? Like, yes, the whole thing about Christianity is once you die, you get to like hang out with JC. So, yes, I so that surprised by this rhetoric fits the brand. He also today, by the way, put out a video where he said, uh, "You should sign over your twelve hundred dollars stimulus checks to your pastor." And by the way, you can also send it to me. Um, oh, so, so there's still, that. Spoiler alert: He is still alive. Oh uh, yeah, he's still he's still around. He's still alive. But okay, so recently, because Louisiana has a Democratic governor who basically did a lockdown, mm-hmm. and uh, this guy was fighting it, so he got a lawyer. And we, I think, we talked about this last week. His lawyer uh, is Roy Moore, the alleged child molester. Yes, we sure did. Uh, but he also had. Uh, another attorney, like a local guy who can handle the Louisiana stuff, because Roy Moore is from Alabama. The local guy is named Jeff Witterbrink. And today he made news because guess what happened to Jeff Wittenbrink? Um, he won $1,200 in a federal lottery. Mm, wrong. He oh. is in the hospital. He's oh, in the hospital. No, he hasn't. Not yet. He's in the hospital because he has COVID-19. He has a high fever, persistent cough. And he also said he attended that Easter service, or Mm. maybe not Easter, but he attended a recent church service. He also said he never felt ill at church events. And he has, quote, no idea how he may have contracted the virus. No, nobody knows. It's almost like None it's a whatsoever. really easy thing to spread. So you can't really pin it to any one interaction. And that's why it's so dangerous. You see is because any person you've interacted with before you're showing symptoms is a potential carrier who can spread it to anybody they've ever met. It's almost like no one knows. This is a really complicated metal medical situation that they can't pray 
away. Yeah. Uh, it can't be that, but it's what it's like. The local paper asked him, do you still support Tony's spell and what he's doing? And here's the quote from the lawyer, Wittenbrink. I'm very proud of Pastor's spell. I think he's one of the few people who understands we shouldn't just throw away our civil liberties without a fight just because there's some kind of crisis going on. That's from the hospital bed that he said that. I guess... What what is bothering me about this sort of conversation that we're having about, um, you know, the governor governor can't tell me not to leave my house or or the president can't shut down the government is that it's not as if they like if this was happening in January 2017 and Trump won the election and was like, all right, guys, we're going on lockdown. That is an extremely different thing than we have right. demonstrated cases of many people dying and we're trying to prevent as many deaths as possible. Right. So and the latest thing from the right for a fucking minute, the latest thing from the right is, well, we only had like 30,000 deaths. It's not millions. Therefore, stop keeping me indoors. Like so guy you, today, he's like, only two children have died in Illinois. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh. oh that's it. I'm and sorry. I, I didn't realize the threshold was five before you cared. I, I did ask him specifically how many children he'd be okay with dying. Yeah, he I, I want that answer. to answer. <laughs> um, this is not a good use of my time. <laughs> <laughs> I Yeah, I don't know why you're talking to these people. I could be like relearning guitar or writing my novel that I've said I'm going to work on for six months. And I'm arguing with old white guys from fucking Naperville. What am I, I doing? I was going to say you just don't have to talk to them. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> but... And by the way, same church, same same church, Tony Spell, there was a man uh, close to 80 years old who also did attend those services. He is dead. That guy oh. did die. And Tony Spell also said, like, nope, I had nothing to do with this. We don't know why he died. Mm-hmm. Stuff Nobody like that. For sure. And again, that's just the ones we're hearing about. Like, you're going to hear more stories from that church. Because he's the crazy guy that was like, not only am I am I going to stay open, I'm going to invite everybody in. So here is something that I've wanted to discuss with you for the last week, because I think this thing has broken me or like it's ruined my ability to empathize with people. Because when I hear these stories of people, you know, say the people storming whatever fucking Lansing, Michigan or wherever they were in Ohio, where they looked like fucking zombies at mall doors. Yes. Though except zombies are looking for brains. These people, who knows? Maybe they're looking for brains. So they understand that viruses are not a political scam or whatever. But so I see these, and I've seen people come out against vaccines, which we're going to come out. We're going to talk about a little bit later. And then when people like this, people who are espousing really dangerous shit eventually get sick and die, my heart feels nothing. I normally, like, I don't wish death on people. I don't wish harm on people. But it's, like, I I cannot have listened to this anti-vax rhetoric, this anti-science rhetoric for the last, whatever, 15, 20 years of my life and then see this all come into play and say, listen, we weren't scamming you. We're not trying to poison you with mercury or lead. We're trying to save you and them still misbelieving medical science and still like not taking medical advice. And then they get the thing we've been warning them and giving them advice on how to avoid. How, How am I supposed to feel about that now? I don't necessarily feel that bad when the people... If who are telling others, you don't have to worry about this thing. If the protesters, the zombie protesters got Mm -hmm. sick, you're right. It would be really hard to feel bad about that. What I feel bad about is all these people attending these churches who are not the ones telling everyone what to do, but they don't know any better. They go because they feel that they have to go. Those are the people getting hurt. And that's who I feel bad for. Like the this old guy at Tony Spell's church who died, I feel bad for him, but I don't feel I don't feel all that bad for the lawyer getting sick about it. Um, and while we're on that same subject, because I have a bunch of these stories, let's yeah. talk about this guy in Virginia. This is New Deliverance Evangelistic Church in Richmond. It was founded by Bishop Gerald O. Glenn, and he is someone who, like a week or two ago was saying, quote, God is larger than this dreaded virus. You can quote me on that, unquote. Smaller? 
<laughs> did, what's the thing with zero that it's neither a positive nor a negative? Anyway, go ahead. Whatever. Um, and he also said people are healed in his church. Uh, this past Sunday, on Easter Sunday, the church announced, oh, hey, that guy has died of COVID-19. Um, and here's, not that there's a silver lining in this guy's death. The guy from Richmond, right? This is from Richmond. His daughter uh, told the local news that the father dismissed the symptoms because he has a different condition that leads to fever. So he didn't make anything of it. But she is now urging everyone to stay home and she said, I just beg people to understand the severity and the seriousness of this because people are saying it's not just about us. It's about everyone around us. Good. You're right. It is way too bad that it took the death of her father. And by the way, the current sickness of her mother. Oh, no. For her, yeah. To figure all this out. Um, so, again, like, do you feel bad for the situation? Sure. Because the death of this guy affects a lot of people. But also, he did it to himself. Like, I don't feel bad when they hurt themselves because of their ignorance when there's so many people trying to talk sense into them. If you're if you're not going to listen and you suffer the consequences, all right. It's when other people suffer, like, because they trusted you. I feel bad about that. And by the way, the church removed his sermon from YouTube as if they're going to pretend this never really happened. Yeah, well, the internet has a long memory, so. Yeah. Uh, there is, oh, there's there's more just like this. but And they all have different flavors, too. So <laughs> let, me, let me jump to Kentucky, because this is where the Democratic governor, Andy Bashir said, look, it's a lockdown for everybody. And he also said, I think this happened after we spoke last time, that even though there's a lockdown, he heard stories that people at churches are going to meet anyway, and he doesn't want to prosecute them. He doesn't want to come after them. Like, it, politically, it's bad. But also, like, this isn't about trying to persecute Christians. Right. But he did They're not say, trying to give a ticket quota. Right, right. Now, what he said is, look, I am going to send police to give you all warnings if we see your car in the parking lot of a church. And basically, what and he held it up at a press conference. And what that notice says is basically... Uh, we know you are here. We urge you to self-quarantine for the next two weeks because mm -hmm. of this. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, there was a Maryville Baptist Church where they were having an in-person service on Easter Sunday. It's Maryville, so, Kentucky, not Maryville, Maryville Kentucky, Kentucky, correct. And the police were there. They did put warning stickers on these cars. Hmm. Um, but here's the thing. Three plaintiffs, three people who are members of that church have filed a lawsuit against the state. Um, which isn't surprising. They basically say, you can't stop us from meeting. It's our right to assemble. It's our right to religious freedom, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. But here is the thing that is in their lawsuit. In times of public panic and fear, egregious violations of fundamental rights have been permitted through throughout the history of this country. They're saying this is a bad thing. And they quote Korematsu, which is the case of like when we took Japanese Americans in World Japanese War II. Japanese internment camps? Yes. And they're saying, we know you've done this in times of history because of public fear. Typically, I'm quoting again, it is only well after the fact that we have recognized the error of doing so. So they're saying like, yeah, you did it to the Japanese and that was bad. And now you're doing it to us. And it will Which also worse, be bad. we're white. <laughs> Pretty much like, oh, my goodness, to compare whatever Christians are going through right now, which is nothing at all to what actually happened. OK, like, oh, my Re God, the height of Christianity. I have a really important and pressing question. Yes. Would it have been worse if instead of citing Japanese internment camps, they cited the Holocaust? I'm surprised they didn't. Because um, Japanese but, internment is a little bit more of a deep dive, historically speaking. And, yeah. like, this sort of crew doesn't necessarily, like, go beyond the large swaths. So... <laughs> Oh, it's man. just a weird analogy to make. And of course, uh, the legal people from different groups who are looking at this are like, really, this is your comparison? This this isn't a lawsuit that's going to win in court. This is a lawsuit that is an application for a Darwin Award. Because what you guys are doing is just so ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, so that's, that's a new one. All pretty rough, Emmett. Okay, I'm not done yet. We're going more. We're going more. Um, 
Uh, okay, New Mexico. New Me- Actually, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to stay in Kentucky. Oh. Um, before that lawsuit was filed in Kentucky, uh, there was a church, this church. Uh, it's called the On Fire Christian Church, another Kentucky church that wanted a dry. Yeah, on, on fire because they're in, on in, fire on fire for Jesus, I assume. But they wanted to have a drive-in style church service where all the cars could park, but you're supposed to stay in your car. I've heard of that happening. Yeah, but again, the problem is we there are instances where people do not stay in their car. You are still gathering. You're still in you're basically violating any public gathering, social distancing sort well, of I, provision. I think it's worth going over, not that we're like the arbiters of what social distancing is, but, but I've heard time after time that when people do this, like, Oh, they go, they go stand in their friend's driveway and yeah. talk to them and stay six feet away so they can have a beer together or whatever. Right. The, the problem with that in my understanding is the six foot rule is to keep you safe when you have to be in public. It's not saying it's to mitigate risk while you have to be in public getting food or whatever. Not that nobody can get sick if you're six feet away from each other. Right. They're not encouraging. They're not encouraging you to go see a whole bunch of people. As long as you all stand in a circle, six feet apart, that's not the case. So it's, it's, that's why these drive-in churches do not, are not supposed to be an exception to the rule. That doesn't make it okay. So anyway, They're complaining about this. They filed a lawsuit about it. And the judge in the case said, yeah, you can have your drive-in church service. There's nothing wrong with that. So he ruled in their favor. Now, here's the problem besides the fact that it's the wrong move. The judge who did this is District Judge Justin Walker. Who is Justin Walker? He's a guy who I'm pretty sure is younger than both of us. That's not the problem. I'm just saying. He's a Trump judge who is smarter than both of us. No. No, Um, I'm not a lawyer. And no. And he's a Trump judge who got sworn in this year. They're trying to push him up to the appeals court that Merrick Garland currently runs in Washington, D.C. Like, that's what they do with bad judges. They just try to elevate them. But his ruling, if you get a chance to read it, and there'll be a link in the show notes, it reads like a sermon. Here's here's just a part of what he wrote on on Holy Thursday before Easter. An American mayor criminalized the communal celebration of Easter. Now, that sentence is one that this court never expected to see outside the pages of a dystopian novel, or perhaps the pages of The Onion. The mayor's decision is stunning, and it is beyond all reason unconstitutional. Like, this guy goes on, he goes on to say... um, Oh my God, I'm trying to find it in front of me. He also trashed atheists in the oh. thing, saying like they wouldn't understand what's going on here. No, <laughs> we care about you. You don't understand how center on earth. You don't what understand how seriously yeah. Christians take Easter. Like, first of all, n- no, that's not true. But also, what are you talking about? Why are you act why are you citing the Bible in a yeah. legal ruling? Um, Apparently, Maundy Thursday is what it's actually called, and it commemorates the washing of the feet in the Last Supper of Jesus and the Apostles. Did not know that was a thing. This guy's smarter than you, then. Clearly, I push it that far. I look better in a robe than I do. Them, <laughs> I saved. I've saved the most crazy church story for last here in this mix. Uh, this is from New Mexico. There's another church, Legacy Church in Albuquerque, mega church, and they sued because the state, the governor Michelle Luan Grisham, won't let them meet in person. Mm-hmm. And so they said on Easter Sunday they wanted to have a service. Anyway, they filed the lawsuit. And here's the insane thing about the lawsuit. They said, you want us, governor, to like live stream a service. Obviously, that's okay. But if you want us to live stream a service, we need 30 people in the building. We need a worship staff of 12 to 14, along with a technical team of about 16 people to to broadcast our sermon on Facebook. Like, look. If we can do this, yeah, to do the technical team, we say this as two people who have no technical people. Um, but like I've seen plenty of pastors. 
I've seen so many pastors, like the good ones who are just like, all right, I'll put up my phone. I will Facebook live stream this thing and we'll just do it. And it's not high quality, but whatever. Everyone has to deal with it. So whatever. This guy is like, what? You want me to live stream on Facebook or something? I need all 30 people right attached at my hip. If you like Saturday Night Live put together a whole episode where nobody was near each other and this guy can't do it without a staff of 30 next to him in person. And I will say I saw their Easter Sunday service. They posted it on YouTube. It looks like a high def sort of thing. It looks like a normal regular non-pandemic service where it looks nice. You have a band, you have a lighting you have the pastor with like the Bible verses popping up on the screen, but like 30 people did not need to risk infection. So you could look better in HD. Um, I am, <laughs> I'm texting my friend who is, um, an assistant camera operator in Louisville. And I just texted him important question. How, how many tech people are normally on a movie or a television set? I just want to come here. <laughs> oh number. my God. I want to know the answer to this. I'm really excited about this. Hopefully it gets back to me. I, I, yeah. Let me know when, um, you want to talk about something that's non pandemic related? Is there anything pandemic related? I got a couple for you. Here's one. CBS has canceled the show. God friended me. Oh, okay. I did see this headline. I was not aware that it made like I <laughs> that it reached season two. I don't. I don't think I realized that it got like picked up for series. Like yeah. I heard of the pilot, and I never heard of it again. Yeah. Which, like I guess I'm not their target audience for many reasons, not the least of which is I don't really watch network TV that much anymore. Right. Oh, I'm watching Superstar right now. I really want to talk to you about it later. <laughs> I never seen it. So here, I mean, if you forgot this show or you never saw the premiere, we did talk about it when it premiered. The yeah. setup. The setup is that the main character is a black atheist who has a podcast that is maybe nationally syndicated. Who knows? You know how podcasts do. As Yeah, especially atheist podcasts, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he gets a Facebook friend request from God. And he's like, that's not real. And then basically God says, we have a mutual friend. Because he says, yes, I'll accept the request because that's weird. And then he's like, oh, we have a mutual friend. And then whoever that mutual friend is sends them off on tangents during the episode and stuff happens. And he's like, what? Is this a coincidence? Here's what I didn't like about the show. Like he was such a one. He's a bad atheist where he's like, oh, I got a friend request from God. I doubt everything about atheism. Now he had the Indian techie friend, which is like, you're not even trying if you're a writer anymore. You had the cute white girl who is his friend, who is, of course, the love interest. You had his dad, who is a preacher. Of course, he's a preacher. Mm -hmm. Like, it was every stereotype ever. And, like, of course, because it's a network show, it was never actually about religion. This is just the premise they used to to do whatever storyline love story that they wanted to do. But they, they had this opportunity to talk about serious issues and you could have religious discussions. I believe the good place did it all the time. I never oh, watched yeah. it, but like this show oh, never yeah. did any of that. And so it's like, all right, well, you left you it. Watch it at all. I watched uh, like several episodes in the first season and then read summaries as it kept going. And it was never, it never amounted to anything as far as I could tell. Hey, if you watched it, anyone listening, tell me I'm wrong. But basically, it didn't go anywhere. And then the ratings just slowly started dropping off. So it's canceled. I've got, Bye. I've got, I've got two seasons. Yeah. Some old gems only got one. So. Yes. Uh, do you want to talk about Jim Baker? Oh, Jim oh Baker. God. So I read this headline. I assumed you were going to bring it to the podcast. You know it. Um. So apparently it takes 25 movie, 25 people to film an actual movie. Oh, really? He said it's <laughs> on a small movie set. Okay. 25 to 30 people. But 30 people for a church live stream well, that he could have done with a phone. 19 or whatever on his crew. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, so don't be ridiculous. So, <laughs> so Jim Baker has been promoting his silver solution for a while now, and he got like almost sued for it, and he was mm -hmm. told to stop doing that, whatever. Um, 
he said this week, and I don't even think he meant this as news, but it was news. He said credit card companies had basically shut them off. Credit card companies really? are like, we don't want to do business with a guy who's selling fraudulent products. And so he's telling people, listen, we need money, which is not new. He does this every show. But he's like, uh, we need money and you can't give with a credit card because our companies don't want to work with us anymore. So please send a check. Yeah. So just run to Georgia, wherever I record and just hand me cash, please. Yep. Yep. He said, we have not received money. They think be- credit card companies because somebody told a lie about us. So now they're saying they have to hold on to the money. Like lie, no lie, one told like, a lie. Like his lie or like yeah. a- different bigger lie no one's telling a lie all you need to do is play a clip of jim baker and you could see for yourself what he's selling Poor um, guy though you hate he, the COVID virus really hurt the good ones haven't you know <laughs> yes um speaking of good ones okay okay liberty university oh my god oh god they what's going keep, on there it keeps getting worse Okay, so quick summary of Liberty. They said, yeah, COVID virus is going around. Who cares? We're going to reopen our school, but you don't have to come back, but you can, which is stupid. Like, no, students should not be coming back to the dorms, even if they're standing far apart. Um, Then he said faculty members need to come back because, you know, they got to hold office hours, which was, again, stupid. And a professor wrote an op-ed in like the Washington Post saying this is a bad idea and the board of trustees needs to override Jerry Falwell Jr. And the only reason she wrote it is because she's leaving at the end of the school year. That's right. So we covered all that last week. So anyway, yeah, all that's been happening. The New York Times and ProPublica have been writing about like students think they have to come back and like some kids are really afraid because there are coronavirus fears And then I think this happened earlier this week, like Falwell issued warrants against like the photographer and a reporter for their arrest. Where did those warrants come from? The Liberty police. Yes. That 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 was was also covered last week and I was tickled pink about it. Yes. And so anyway, this week a student has spoken up and filed a federal lawsuit against Falwell and Liberty university saying he quote, placed their students, Liberty, placed their students at severe physical risk and Mm -hmm. refused to refund thousands of dollars in fees owed to them for the spring 2020 semester. Basically, what Falwell said, yeah, what Falwell said is, if you want $1,000 back, uh, we'll give it back to students who uh, are living on, who were living in the dorms, but they chose not to come back to campus. We'll give you a thousand dollars, but only credit towards Liberty next year. If if you did not live in the dorms or you lived off campus or something, you're getting no money back. And so this is. But this wait, is are what, they still holding classes remotely? At least. Yes, they are holding classes remotely, which I don't think anyone would have a problem with. This isn't necessarily about that. This is about him saying, like, we're only giving a little bit of money to students, uh, but only in these situations. Like, he's really trying not to give anyone money back. And the student said, uh, the lawsuit says, Liberty is improperly keeping money paid by the plaintiffs for tuition, even though they can no longer obtain the value or benefit of the service for which they paid. And that's a breach of contract. And by the way, this is a class action lawsuit. So even though one student filed it, other students may glom on, Mm -hmm. which could be really interesting. And I think uh, today, as we're recording this, like Falwell last night called the New York Times reporter like to threaten her saying like, you're in big trouble. Oh, like innocent people do. Yes. And of course, she wrote an article that (laughs) was like, oh, Falwell called a New York Times reporter last night. Uh, saying we'd be in serious trouble. Um, can you explain to me some uh, something to me like I'm a very small child? Yes. Um, so if I was so if I was still at Ball State University right now and it was my senior year, and this happened, w- is it expected that Ball State refunds my money or that I can continue taking on classes or so something? I mean, I'm just wondering. It's a fair question. I don't know the exact answer. My guess is that if they're offering online classes for all the stuff you were taking mm-hmm. and you could still get the credit and you could still graduate and all that, I don't know that they owe anybody anything. 
I think it's a I think it's a different situation if they're unable to offer like if you had to take a lab or something and you can't take sure. it now, I would sure. think the schools are trying to give back something, but I yeah, I, I don't I know. Guess my my confusion is regarding the liberty thing. Like I see where professors might have standing if he's making them be on campus. But like is he I, I guess I'm confused about what he's doing. If he's keeping campus open Oh, I guess if he's keeping campus open, that means they're not going to transfer everything online. Yeah, I mean, he could do everything online. But again, the issue is he's saying you're only going to get a refund if you lived in the dorms, but now you're not coming back. Right. I'm just like, wondering what the as for the classes. Right. As for the classes themselves, Liberty does so much online work anyway. Mm-hmm. Like most of their students are online remote students. Right. There's no reason you couldn't just take your current students and say, you're all going online for the rest of the year okay. and we'll continue that way. So but again, uh, it's, so that's the origin issue is that it's so it's not like so at Ball State, I'm still friends with a bunch of professors. Everybody's basically going online, like everybody's yeah. classes are yeah. still on for the rest of the year, just online. So the problem is here. He's uh, putting everyone in danger. That's part of it. He is keeping classes open, not pushing everything online and saying either. I need you- to check on that. I'm not sure if the issue is like he's not pushing everything online, but they are saying that, you know, for tuition, which I believe includes dorm fees Mm -hmm. um he's not giving you cash back if you didn't live in the dorms and he's not giving you cash back if like you're on campus but you don't get the campus experience i'm not sure um but uh one of the things that lawsuit says is liberty has further shown its willingness to retaliate against anyone who criticizes liberty's covid19 response going as far as seeking and obtaining arrest warrants for members of the media Okay, sure. Yeah, um, that's so it's, there's a bunch of things saying they're keeping money they shouldn't be keeping. They are putting students in danger. So there's a, a couple different issues here that they're suing over. And of course, Falwell, because he's Falwell, is just complaining about everything. But this time, it's coming from inside the building, you know? Right. It's coming from a Liberty student. He's not going to be able to keep ignoring this forever. Yeah. Um, I got one last story for you that is not COVID-related. It just made me laugh. Um, there is a new book coming out later this month. And are you ready for the title? Are you ready for it? It's put out by uh, Zondervan, which is a Christian publishing company. Okay. It's called The Quran with Christian Commentary, A Guide to Understanding the Scripture of Islam. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, it's which, just like when I was in high school and I would get Romeo and Juliet and it had annotations on the side. Okay. So it could like, <laughs> like break it in, down into like... Cool 90s kids terms. Yes. In theory, yes. And here's the thing. That Romeo and Juliet sort of edition, I'm all for. Because, like, if there's a book that people might want to avoid or you're not sure how to get through it, it's kind of nice when an author says, well, I understand it really Mm -hmm. well. So I'm going to walk you through every part of this. I'll put it in words you understand. There is value to that. I have no problem with the premise of this on, like, an academic level. But here is the problem with this particular book. Here's how they describe it, like on the book's website, on the publisher's website. Mm-hmm. This, uh, be equipped to interact more fruitfully and thoughtfully with Muslims. Yep. Um, the book says it is, quote, factual, respectful of Muslims, and insightful on issues about which Muslims and Christians disagree. Okay. Again, respectful which- of Muslims, is it like... Which part do you think is factual? <laughs> yeah, that's I'm what just, if they just put a thing that's like, nope, none of this is right. I think they're like, factual well, that's fact. factual. But here's the part. Here's the part that really bothered me. Um, if you read this book, quote, uh, people who are taking courses in Islam and the Quran will find this to be an invaluable resource, as will pastors and missionaries who minister among Muslims. That's the part I'm like, oh, like. I get why the company would be putting it out, but really they're saying, here's the Quran. We're not interested in you just understanding what it says. We're only giving this to you so that when you talk to Muslims, you can tell them why they shouldn't be Muslim, which. Yeah. I mean, and I think that could be an interesting series of books of like understanding Islam as a Christian or understand, understanding, you know, Catholicism as a Jew. Yeah, it did. Uh, say all that stuff it did say 
you know, we can teach you all this stuff. But really, the intention is we're trying to teach you Islam so you can use it against Muslims. And that's the the main purpose of this book. That's what I have an issue with. And I'm just like, if if a Muslim company said, we are going to give you a version of the Bible. You imagine? Um, oh, my God. They would call it persecution. Oh, immediately. Yeah. Really, if... if- I don't know. I can't imagine, like, just imagining Muslims going door to door in, like, my Irish Catholic neighborhood. Just like, <laughs> ooh, that wouldn't go great. Right. Uh, let's talk about Dr. Oz. Oh, Dr. Oz. Oh, buddy. What did he do today? Um. So, if you were on Twitter, you definitely saw this. I have to pull it up because I'm not used to working on my laptop. Okay. So Dr. Oz in the quote is truncated. That's been going around. Dr. Oz was on Fox news with, uh, sir, Sean Hannity. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He's and, knighted. And they're discussing sort of what, what everybody's kind of talking about right now. Right. Like Trump wants to reopen the economy. What happens if we just let people out in public? What does that mean for our health? Blah, blah, blah. So Dr. Oz says, so they discuss children. Dr. Oz says schools are very, are a very appetizing opportunity. I just saw a nice piece in the Lancet arguing the opening of schools may only cost us two to 3% in terms of total mortality. Any, you know, any life is any life is a life lost, but that might be a trade-off for some, for some folks to consider the ellipses, the before that might be a trade-off. He says a lot more in terms of like, the economy essentially. Um, so I want to give him as fair a shake as I can. My understanding of that. So what he's basically been accused of is saying, Oh, two to 3% in terms of total mortality is a trade off. Mm -hmm. Um, so if we open up schools, yeah, we'll lose. I've heard numbers ranging like to, uh, we'll lose like a million people, million kids in school, but that's the trade off that we can deal with. Yeah. Whatever. I don't think that's, as high as it would no it but like <laughs> I, I saw i saw the commentary i saw i saw large numbers because they're saying if 36 million people are in school then two two to three percent of it is a large number but oh I all that said um let me let me try to defend oz who i don't like because he spreads a lot of pseudoscience all the time well can i say before we yeah, even please. dig into any of this because i'm sure there's a lot i'm going to agree with you about because i read a lot of analyses of what he's actually talking about however so regardless of like what he meant to say which we'll get to if you are dr oz if you are somebody who conveys yourself as like a medical communicator to the public of a of a neil degrasse tyson type of yeah. of a um, it, and you come out with something that is this muddled and this confusing, and it sounds like you're saying, oh, you want to let, what did you say, a million kids die and that's okay? Like, I don't think that's what he was trying to say, but no. fuck, you did such a bad fucking job trying, like, you're a TV personality. Like, I know you used to be a doctor or might still be. I doubt it. He is still a doctor. He's a cardiologist, but he is not an epidemiologist. He's not an epidemiologist. He's not a guy who's he's not Fauci. Like, no, 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 no. But like, like you've got to be a better. You have a TV show. You should be good at this. It's like medical communicator, right? I'm going to speak to the masses on their level. I understand what, what they're saying. But then he comes out with this wall of garbage at me and it's. Like he failed even just by existing. So go ahead. Yeah. So you, what he meant to say. So basically the article in the Lancet that he is quoting is saying, look, if we do nothing, if we don't take any precautions and we opened up schools, um, we may see a slightly higher mortality rate for, uh, for the coronavirus. And the downside of the other side of that is if we do close schools, that's fine. Um, like we want to close schools because we want to save lives. But if we open them up and yes, the mortality will get higher because you have all these kids in one spot. The flip side of that is that those kids are getting a lot of things they need, free lunch programs. They're getting an education. They're letting parents go to work, whatever it is. Um, but just to be clear, like what Dr. Oz was, I guess, trying to say is, 
when they say the two to three percent, they're not talking about kids. They're talking about anyone in the public who might right. be infected. We're still talking about a lot of people. Right. Uh, maybe in the U.S., we're talking like ten thousand people, and they're right. not kids. Right. Um, kids are probably not the main people who are going to die from all this. Mm-hmm. But he's still saying, yeah, 10,000 people might die. But the trade-off is kids go back to school and there's a lot of benefits to that, which is also a weird thing to say. But it goes back to what you're pointing out, which is that's a weird argument to make. And it's bad communication. And also the Lancet article says this is all speculative anyway. It's based on like other studies that we've seen and the quality isn't that good. So he's using a crappy article to make a crappy point which Mm -hmm. didn't help at all with anything yeah did i i was trying to find my source for this but did i i think i saw somewhere that like that what the the lancet article is what he's done what he's referring to is not a study it's an opinion piece right it's it's looking at a variety of studies it's not like a meta study it's looking at a review of other studies that are out there but those studies aren't that good to begin with so when you're doing this review uh and you are using if it's garbage in it's garbage out that sort of thing and then oz found a way to screw it all up he issued an apology tonight but it wasn't it wasn't even a good apology he's just saying like yeah i said something inarticulately i'm sorry about that like it's not what i meant to say i wouldn't do that but also this is a thing he does all the time because his whole shtick is he promotes stupid pseudoscience that is not helping so he's not even helping normally and now he's just whatever if this hurts his reputation good there's i am kind of i find dr oz like a singularly fascinating character because i would read a book that tracks him from highly skilled and respected cardiologist which he was yes absolutely like undeniably he's a talented Mm -hmm. doctor all the way down to like literal like snake oil salesman i i'm just yeah. so curious at what because my my what i suspect and i was talking to somebody about this at length today because nothing else is happening in the world my um what i suspect is that when he got pulled on to do oprah's thing and then he got his right. own he was show, on her show for a long time yeah right and it would just uh, periodically then he got yes and i think what happened is he got his own show yes and there is a uh, there is a lot of medical information that can be told in a way that's approachable and entertaining and helps people understand their health and their body better, which is great. However, when you're doing that for an hour a day, five days a week, forever, <laughs> you run out you of, stuff run out of shit. And so at one point, maybe he said something about like, oh, some like he started with like maybe some like unproven studies, like not FDA stuff that we should look out for. And then just the slope got slippery. Then he was then he's like. Yeah, castor oil is drink it up. It will cure right. your heartburn. There was an article uh, written by Michael Spector, I think, in the New Yorker a while back, basically saying, "Yeah, whatever the reason is, that's what he does. He shills the snake oil on his show. It is not medical advice. No doctor, no decent doctor, would give you that as a treatment for anything you're doing. And his whole thing is, is like, well, I'm not giving medical advice. I'm just talking about issues that everyone else is talking about. But it's like, dude, you're the doctor on TV. People are looking at you for advice and you're telling them this is a possibility. Maybe this Mm -hmm. diet pill that doesn't help. Um, And for him to then like sound off on coronavirus and even accidentally get interpreted as saying, yeah, let's kill a million children, whatever. Like it's unfair, but also you kind of deserve it because you have a history of saying a bunch of dumb things. And the fact that people are like, Hey, Dr. Oz said something stupid and it's believable that he would say something like that. What does that say about his reputation? I don't want to say like, yay, he deserved to be taken out of context. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like, what does it say about him that everyone was like, yep, that's totally something he would do. I mean, he appears on Fox news like all the time. That's the only people who want to listen to him anyway. Do you think it's a problem with things like this, that we as people see if somebody's a doctor or we know somebody's a professor, we assume they know a lot about everything. Whereas generally like the more educated you are, the more specialized you are. Yeah, I, I don't think a lot of people understand that. So if they hear the word doctor, right. um, they assume at least you're worth listening to. 
And yeah, that is a problem because it depends what type of doctor. It depends what experience and what educate. Even among even among doctors, there is a wide variety of who knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it matters. Like that's why, at least in terms of like Dr. Fauci, Anthony Fauci, who keeps uh, showing up at the Trump press propaganda briefing things like he's a guy who's specialized in infectious medicine you want to hear from him because he has a long history in that but for most Um, people if dr oz walked on that stage mm -hmm. next to him they would say these two men's opinions hold the same weight yes exactly and that's not true and that's not what oz specialized in and that's not what he knows best and just because you're a doctor you're right it doesn't mean you're an expert in everything and the people might not know that but the but Dr. Oz should know that and he should be able to like offer that disclaimer whenever Mm -hmm. he talks about it, which he doesn't. Yeah. So anyway, um, what else you got? I'm Um, done. I just have the one thing. I mean, there's just, I feel like I've already done my anti-vax rant, but there, there was like a protest in Vancouver, Canada, I assume. Vancouver is in Canada. Well, there's also Vancouver, Washington. Oh, you're right. Asshole. I am an asshole. He's a fucking Jeopardy champion now. (laughs) Um, Anyway, there was just a rally of 20 people in Vancouver, and um, it makes me want to fucking kill myself because... And they're mad because why? Oh, because they're... Because COVID, because they don't believe in anything. I don't know why they're fucking protesting. I don't care. I have laughed my ass off at the people who are like, you shouldn't. There's no vaccine for COVID yet. They're working on it, but it's not there yet. But there are there's There's already a will be at some point. Sure. But there are conservatives who are arguing when that vaccine appears, you should avoid it because I don't know. Bill Gates is going to plant a microchip in it or because of whatever anti-vax conspiracy theories they have. Mm -hmm. Um, And the whole thing is the reason everything sucks right now and we're all in lockdown is because there is no vaccine. So we have to like take precautions against it. There will be a time because scientists know how to do this sort of thing. It just takes a lot of testing. Um, There will be a time the vaccine is available. And when that happens, we can maybe go back to some semblance of normality But there are still like the anti-vax we've seen with like with kids and blaming autism on vaccines like that's bad enough. Mm -hmm. There will be a significant pushback against this vaccine whenever it develops. And until there's a herd immunity built among the rest of us, like, oh, my God, those people are going to do what the church pastors are doing now. By just yeah. getting people infected against, even when they don't have to be. Why do people keep saying herd immunity is going to save us with COVID? I don't because if people have the virus, your antibody, oh, your body, and then get better, and then get better, then- your body is already immune to it. And if enough of us have those antibodies, the virus can't really come to us and hurt us. That's good. But there, we don't know. But wait, like, wouldn't that? So saying that we would develop natural herd immunity. Doesn't herd immunity take like more than 80, 85, 90% of the I believe population? The numbers I saw were 60 to 80% of us would need to have the antibodies to the virus for the virus not to be able to spread so as quickly as it is. 200 right million now. people, 200 million people would have to get sick and then get better for this. This is best case scenario. That's without a vaccine. Like, that's what they're saying. Like, that would be good. That's a way to do it. But if we have the vaccine, of course, everyone can get it. We will all develop without the getting sick part. Without the getting sick part. Uh, That's just but a wild what, thing for what people they to don't, think. What they don't have the answer for right now, again, not a scientist. There's my disclaimer for you. My understanding of it is because they don't know how lethal this virus is, like there may be people who have the virus, but they're asymptomatic and they're just carrying it. And maybe mm-hmm. their body is building the antibody to it. Mm-hmm. We don't know how, how many people have it because mm-hmm. we don't have the testing. We don't know how many people have it and are building this defense against it versus mm-hmm. how many people have it and are getting sick. Like we can't figure any of that out right now because we don't have the testing. So who knows? It'll take a long time because we don't have a vaccine. So we're doing this all based on speculation. Yeah. So stay the fuck home. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I just read this quote? Uh, so this um, Vancouver thing protest thing was organized by Susan Stanfield Spooner. Um, she, uh, <laughs> where 
so she said, um, she believes the virus is real, but the death tally has been exaggerated, and that was intentionally released upon the world. She also thinks the disease in, is infectious, but not deadly, like herpes. Uh, she also said she believes the pandemic is an attempt by elites to strip citizens of their rights and vaccinate them. Ha-ha. So, totally normal behavior. Oh, it yeah. is. It's it's British Columbia. I don't see how you oh, can also, look I, at I, this. CA. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you can look at this administration and think, think yep, they can they're, pull this off. Yeah, that they have their shit together so well that they are doing everything on purpose. Dude, like, that's no, what, they can't do anything, period. What are you when, talking about? When I was in junior high, I had a friend who was, or maybe in high school, I had a friend who was, um, she didn't think, she thought the moon landing was fake. Oh boy. And I remember saying something to my dad and he was like, if you think that many people could have held that secret <laughs> for that long, yes, you're out of your mind. And I think that's what made me a skeptic. <laughs> like, I it's, think that was the moment that I was like, oh, people are terrible at keeping secrets. Yes. I've heard the exact same thing about like, are there aliens out there and the U.S. government knows about them, but they're hiding it? Like, do you think if yeah. Trump as president knew that there were aliens somewhere, he would hold oh, that he would in lose his fucking mind. Yeah. Um, but I guess we don't know what we don't know. So we don't know all the secrets that have never been told. Have you ever looked at the back of the Declaration of Independence? <laughs> Maybe there's really a map back there. And on that note, um, okay, <laughs> a couple um, news bulletins. I guess uh, we just crossed uh, three hundred patreon subscribers thank you very very much um which means according to the um phony baloney thing that i wrote up uh, (laughs) we are gonna watch a uh kirk cameron movie and talk about it dear god what did we land on uh i believe the one saving christmas listen if you are by a computer right now just just go online, type in Saving Christmas, Kirk Cameron, and look at the movie poster, it's, and you will shit yourself. It's burned into my brain. It's one of those things that I it's could the, just call well, it up. It's the only thing I know about the movie oh, is yeah. that poster. And I'm was, like, oh my God. There was a choice of three, and we'd each seen one, and yeah. this is the leftover. Because so I was like really fucking down to watch the the original Left Behind and no. I think and I do it. think Fireproof, um, which I have seen. I did. I watched it one day with my friends when we got we got brunch drunk on mimosas and watched that and yelled at the TV. <laughs> we were on vacation. It wasn't just like a Tuesday. Nice. Um, and then, but I think that would be something you would greatly enjoy. It has some high quality acting and three dimensional female characters. I'm um, sure it does. But so we land on Saving Christmas. So yeah, we'll watch uh, we'll it at some point. Next- couple weeks obviously yeah. there's re- for reasons i'm not like you know rush to do it <laughs> but, it'll happen soon but thank you for patreoning everyone yeah i really um, appreciate it but also that means we i have to read a five-star review oh yes please um this one is the most recent one um it's fabbed but flawed the show is always interesting and entertaining and jessica's response and rants are a joy to behold however it has one major flaw that means i could not recommend it <laughs> uh Hammett, this might be satire. Oh, uh, Jessica's constant use of the F word. What makes it worse is that she, <laughs> sorry, she recently did a show with her husband, Mikey, I think, or maybe Cucky. Same thing. <laughs> uh, and she used the word in front of him. For some reason, he did not exercise the authority given to him by God to for- and forbid <laughs> her from using such underlying language. Un- excuse me, unladylike language. Zero yes. stars. But then they I love it. Five actual stars. I love it. That was extremely fun for me to read just now. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Where do we find you? Hey, you can follow me on Twitter at Blueberry, B L U E B U R I E. Hammond is at Hammond Meta. Find me. You can email us at friendlyatheistpodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a five star review. Um, Patreon. That's it. Hopefully, this recorded and people will be able to hear this. We'll see. Thanks, everyone. See you you kind of next week, Evan. Bye. Bye.